0: Welcome to The Sword in the Trial, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore.
1: I'm Tom Askell.
0: Thanks for listening to The Sword in the Trial today. We are excited about the month of August. We are having a FAM promotion. We have uh, our DVDs, By What Standard, God's World, God's Rules, and if you join the FAM in the month of August, you get a free DVD. We're going to be sending these out. The FAM is our Founders Alliance membership. People can support us at three different levels is it all three levels you can come at any level and get the any, level, any and get, level you don't have to come into like a sword level you can come into the trowel or a shield or a sword but and if, you, if you do double sword we'll send you two if you do double sword you get two dvds no, of the time
1: you know uh, i was having a conversation this morning with a brother and just was reminded uh the things that god has enabled us to do uh, mm-hmm. through founders we've, we've provided a ton of resources over the last few years and well for almost 30 years we've been doing over 30 years we've been doing it and praise God for that but we can't do this we couldn't do it without folks supporting us and enabling us to you know have the technology to uh, provide the materials produce them and distribute them we distribute a lot for free so when you support founders you're standing with us in this effort to help churches help people understand the word of God better and live as Christians in God's world.
0: Amen. Um, Well, we have been getting in a lot lately to, of course, what's going on in the the nation with COVID and with the civil unrest. And uh, as we're assessing what is happening, we continue to be thrust back to doctrinal underpinnings why are people acting the way that they are and what's really going on here like what's happening and so this is an exciting time to think about these things it seems like every day we have more that we're discussing and more Mm -hmm. doctrines that are appearing that are important that it seems many evangelicals um, are are not solid on and therefore are responding to certain events in certain ways and so we wanted to press in on a, a few different doctrines today but really around the idea of being embodied souls. We are embodied souls, meaning when God created us, he created us soul and body. And to downplay the body is a bad thing. To downplay creation uh, is a bad thing. Physical things are not bad things. Physical things are good. God created them good. We live in a fallen world, but they're good. And there's a danger for Christians to think, well, um, what really matters is my soul, and so the, um, the physical uh, nature of my very existence is something that could kind of go by the wayside, and then in interactions and could go by the wayside. So kind of doctrine of creation, uh, doctrine of vocation in the world, the physical world, the, the body, we want to press in on that today, and then try to apply it to uh, really a lot of what's going on with churches not gathering and sanctions from governing authorities that you're not allowed to assemble or to go to work.
1: Yeah, so uh, Richard Reaver's book, Ideas Have Consequences in the Middle of the Last Century, uh, we are seeing consequences of ideas. We're seeing where some of these doctrines that uh, would probably be recognized if a theological test were given to Christians, they'd probably do pretty well on answering the questions about them. But these doctrines are not being held well. They're not being uh, used in our thinking about the world very well because we've been able to see how Christians have been moved in bad directions that had they held these doctrines rightly, they would have resisted or they wouldn't have gone that way as quickly, readily, or easily as they have been. So, I mean, the doctrine of creation is Mm -hmm. what you said. God created the heavens and the earth. He created all the things that exist, and he called it good. Yeah,
0: it's very good. And, and, and I'm not saying that there are people that would categorically check off this box. They might, but you know, doctrines shift, and we downplay certain things, and we end up losing certain things. And I, I, I think there's a lot of people that would say something like, "Jesus reigns over the spiritual world, but not over this physical world." Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so Jesus reigns over heaven, but mm-hmm. he. I mean, he doesn't reign over earth. And so uh, Jesus reigns over the church, but he doesn't reign over the governors and over presidents and politicians. And all of those are wrong. He reigns over the spiritual world and he reigns over the physical world. And one sign that, uh, that signals to me that we are drifting in that way is the way we are. People are just a little too satisfied to remain home and not assemble with God's people. And elders and churches are saying, we're, we're not going to assemble. And we're thinking that we really can, we'll be okay spiritually mm-hmm. if we're not in physical proximity to other Christians. Right. but. We know there's a doctrine that the Spirit inhabits us. We are inhabited by the Holy Spirit. You're inhabited by the Holy Spirit. And as brothers in Christ, when we are face to face, there is an advantage there. There's a good thing that's happening there, which the Apostle Paul talks about. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, he says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart. So he was really torn away, and he's lamenting being torn away in person. But he's admitting, yes, we're not torn away in heart. In heart, we're still with you. He says, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. He, he endeavored to do this. He wanted to be around them. He says, because we wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. It was actually Satan himself who was hindering Paul being able to see other Christians face to face. I wonder if we're thinking that way. Could it be that Satan himself is hindering certain Christians from gathering face to face right now?
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, of course, it's all under God's providence. And so we don't want to get carried away with uh, thinking that Satan is autonomous in the way that he's operating. But but I want to deal more with the thinking that is taking place in Christians where they are quick to just say, well, you know, uh, man, I can't make it to church, but you know what? I'm going to catch the live stream. Or I can't make it to church, but I'm going to get a copy of the sermon. And they they feel like, you know, okay, it's not the best, but it's really not that bad if I can listen to the sermon on CD. And we're missing out on, on multiple things, the doctrine of creation being one, but, but also just what is it that God calls us to when we gather as the church to worship? And what's taking place? It's not a show. It's not primarily about me or myself or even the people gathered, though there's, there is a significant point for the people gathering. But we are coming together under the authority of Christ according to the dictates of Christ on how the church should meet and worship together. And when we do that, uh, Ephesians 3.10 says that we are putting on display in the church the manifold wisdom of God. The the church being the church, gathering, worshiping, living as we're called to live shows unseen principalities and powers how wise and good and Mm. glorious God is. And we lose that. And so, you know, when Christians say, oh, man, you know, I'm just tired this morning. I'm not going to go to church. Or it's a great day. I'm going to hit the beach today, you know, and I'll catch the, the uh, live stream or the, the sermon later. And they're, they're just not thinking the way that we ought to be thinking biblically. Now, things come up, man. You get sick. And so you can't be there and you can watch it on live stream, watch the television. Okay. Well, praise God for that. But don't confuse that as uh, in any way being uh, spiritually, morally, beneficially equivalent. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just lament you can't be there. Take advantage of what you can do in light of what the deficiency
0: is. Yes. The, when we assemble for worship, something real is happening. Mm-hmm. And in, in, a, in a very real sense, it's happening in a location there is a place. Um, the presence of Christ is there with us. Now, Jesus is omnipresent. God is mm-hmm. omnipresent. And yet, when we assemble, He is with us in a special way. And it says the angels gather with us, they'll worship as well. So, mm-hmm. to be there is to experience something. Okay. There's going to be intellectual things that come to you, there's going to be dogma that comes to you. Um, but there's also going to be a, a worship um a worship that really is rendered unto God by the Spirit, by embodied souls, and to be among them, to be with the saints. You know, the psalmist talks about, oh, to to, to gather with mm-hmm. God's people, to go to Jerusalem, to be there, is a very real experience. That shapes you. i mm-hmm. I'm, I'm been spending some time dealing with worldview analysis, and um, one thing that's becoming clearer and clearer is we are not we're not shaped as people merely by dogma merely by intellectual transfer and so uh, for you to disciple me, you sit down and you teach me uh, certain things. Okay. And the the principles, I learned the principles and I believe those principles and ideas have consequences and they shape me. That's very true. But I'm also shaped by experiences. I'm shaped by liturgy or what I go through in my very life. And so to, to, wake your kids up and say, hey, we're going to go to the house of the Lord today and to drive them to the assembly on the Lord's Day. And they do this every single Lord's Day, every week. This is what we do. We gather with God's people and then we spend that day in a particular kind of way. That very experience, that practice is going to shape them. So we're shaped by doing. And when these limitations have come upon us, uh, that's a significant change in our discipleship in the way that we're going to be formed if we're no longer doing the same things that we were doing so i've seen this even in practical ways with people that are that are very very nervous and if they've been able to kind of get out of the house and go grocery shopping or get out of the house and go to a park or get out of the house sometimes i can't do that these days but get out of the house go to the beach they come back and they're like oh you know the world still exists, and and God still exists. In that practice of it, now somebody could say, "I could like imagine that." So your house kind of imagine. Oh, I'm going to imagine going to the beach, and oh, that made me feel better. I imagined it. You know, it's like, but doing it as an embodied soul has a massive benefit for you.
1: Yeah, you know, I uh, I'm thinking about Lloyd Jones and his book Preaching Preachers, where he abominates the recording of sermons because he says you just cannot replicate what happens in the preaching of God's word among the people of God by a recording. So he he hesitated on it. And we have some recordings of his, so there were some something was negotiated somewhere along the line. But his point is a uh, is well taken. I've I've channeled my inner Lloyd Jones at different times in our elders meetings. You know, when I've had a love-hate relationship with the, our broadcasting, our worship services. I've been voted down over the years at different times when we came to a point of decision to keep it going. And there's benefit to it, but there is something to be said for no, you cannot replicate this, and we should give no pretense that by tuning in you're replicating what God has prescribed. I, I think about, was it four or five times Paul tells churches, Corinth, Rome, Thessalonica, to greet one another with a holy kiss. And why is that? I mean, we're not, We don't believe that we have to be kissing each other every time we see each other. That's not the point of the text in that culture and in cultures today, that is a very natural greeting is to kiss one another. And he says, okay, as brothers and sisters, you're to greet one another warmly with a sense of your unity in Christ, your, your brotherliness. You can't do that over Zoom. You can't do that virtually. Just like you, you can watch a live cam of Waikiki, but it's you're not going to the beach. You're not experiencing the beach. And so praise God for the good technological advances we have that allow us to uh, listen to the word, to experience some things virtually. But we must guard against thinking that that is in any way on par with a substitute for something that we can live with going forward uh, that would satisfy what the Bible calls us to to do and be as embodied spirits in relationships with one another, Mm -hmm. invocation, day in, day out activities that we're called to to, uh, engage in as Christians in the world, and then especially in the assembling together of the people of God for worship.
0: Yeah, and it's a chance for Christians to reflect on this and see where we need to sure up certain doctrines and then sure up our practices in accordance with those doctrines. As you mentioned, citing the text, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, are there other cultural forms uh, to that? So we're not saying that the form, mm-hmm. the actual kiss on the cheek, uh, needs to be applied uh, today. But there, there is a principle there as well. And the principle involves physical contact with another person. And I think there's, we can debate this, but I think there's wisdom about bringing over that principle. Like there's something about the physical um, nature of our existence. And and again, seeing, um, we've kind of left this, um, we've left this idea out of, of our education, so whether you're whether it's educating a child or whether it's our own education and how we're shaped. So, I, in a recent sermon, I was talking about the necessity of face to face discipleship. We need to pursue this because there's something about being together as God's people that that forms us. And so, um, you know, if you we like to think that if you're sitting down with your child and you're studying mathematics, you know, that's when you're really doing education but if you're baking a cake well you know that's not education that's like fun family time or something you know some kind of insignificant deal but you know mathematics and baking a cake are intricately woven together and so when you're baking a cake and you you don't put in the right ingredients you know you don't put it in in the oven uh, for the right amount of time you can result in not having a cake that that happens and when that happens, and we do this with our kids, oh, well, let's just say daddy burned the cake. My wife never burns cake. Um, but if, if I burn the cake one day, uh, there's a lesson there when the secularist shows up in their lives and they say, hey, you know what? To each their own. Um, you know, just just follow, follow the dictates of your own heart and everything will be fine. There's no there's no external rule or requirement that comes down to you from above they're going to say well you know what that doesn't seem to square with reality because one time i put a cake in too long and it got burnt and it didn't turn out good for me and so that very physical experience is having an implication in the way that you think that's a big deal when it comes to how we respond in this kind of COVID time. A lot of people are talking about a new normal. Uh, Well, we'll just find these new ways to operate. And a a part of that is very often not being around other people, not Mm -hmm. having physical interaction with other people. And we have enough in God's word that would signal, no, no, no. God created us, soul and body. And therefore we're going to have to live accordingly.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't know how you can read the book of Proverbs without coming to some of these conclusions, at least in principle. Um, Proverbs says, you know, basically te- the world is a classroom, and so everything is an opportunity to learn, just to get in rhythm with how God runs His world. And so much of the Christian life, so much of the uh, the, the benefits of living in harmony with what God has revealed, are things that are better caught than taught. You know, it's by following someone as they follow Christ. It's by uh, examining their lives and, and observing them. As Paul told Timothy, so said, you've seen me when I was persecuted. You have seen me as I preached. You've seen me. And it's just living together with believers that enables us to follow Christ more faithfully, more intimately, uh, with our eyes wider open to realities. I mean, it's so easy in the Christian life to get knocked off track with false ways of thinking ideals. And, you know, if I, if I only live this way, uh, then these things are going to happen. You know, I was reading this morning with Donna, a, a story about a, a guy who really got disillusioned because he and his wife had been in youth ministry. And, uh, after they had a, a little child, three or four year old child died and th- they just went into depression saying, you know, I, we did everything right, we did everything right. and why, why you know, is this happening to us? Well, they hadn't been discipled well to think about what life in a fallen world's like. If they'd been around some suffering Christians who understood God's grace being sufficient in the midst of trials and suffering, they would have been better equipped to handle their own suffering. and I'm sure you know they were in ministry and reading the Bible, teaching the Bible, but it was something was deficient in their discipleship and it could have been addressed by embodied relationships with those who understood.
0: It's really interesting how you worded that. I've been um I've been working through this recently of the the difference between idea and practice. And ideas aren't bad, you know. The idea of um Plato's forms and this is this is how this is what a thing is, but then in the real world it gets it gets messy and it kind of gets nasty. So you, you have your, you have your plan. Think about this. You have your plan every, every day, you know, you kind of think about how you're going to spend your time. It'd be fascinating to just reflect on it at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I was supposed to do this for an hour. I quit, you know, and then this, this blew up. Right. Yeah. And it's just, that's a daily reminder that we're not God. Right. It's like, we're not God. I, I planned how I was going to do it. It looked really good in my mind. But then when I, but I'm an embodied soul. I'm not just a soul. So when I when I went to do it, something happened. You know, this this happened, and then I had to learn and adapt and react and get help and pray and whatever it was I had to experience in order to get through that day. One of my concerns is that, it generally, if you look at uh, COVID and then you look at the trouble that's going on in the streets and uh, different kind of um, quarantine orders that are happening, and the way people are are have been far less active in the physical world. Mm-hmm. And far more active, probably on some kind of device that's bringing them a lot of ideas, a lot of ideas, and very little practice. As you can start to buy into these notions, well, I can control this thing, you know, I I can control the virus. Matter of fact, as long as I stay here and I do these kind of activities, then I definitely won't get it. It's like that's not even true. That virus could come on you anywhere you want, anywhere it wants to, and and, um, and you know, God, God controls all of that. I. Reminds me, I think I saw a terrible tweet that I, I remember it said, I think it had like a a protest and then it had like a Christian worship service. And it said something about, you know, just remember this, you know, the virus doesn't care. You know? <laughs> and I thought that is like the most secular thing I've ever heard, right? Like that's the way we, no, 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 no. There's a God of the virus, <laughs> I you know? know? And so at any rate, this, this um, the need to go out and, and work and do and labor and live and meet face to face. And there's a high premium on doing so. And a lot of things we're going to be shaped in huge ways if we do so. And we're going to be shaped in, in unhealthy ways if we don't.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, it comes right back to what has God created called us to be and do in the world. He's created us in this world, not in another world, in a real world, not a real world, not a virtual world. And so we are to live in this real world with the real God. Understanding, I mean, we're not disembodied spirits, but we have a soul that will never die. And Jesus made it crystal clear. We're not to fear people who can kill our bodies. We are to feel Fear him who can kill both body and soul, can Mm. cast the soul into hell. So is my soul more valuable than my body? Absolutely it is. Does that mean my body is indifferent and unimportant? Not at all. He created his body and soul. We're going to live forever with him, body and soul. We'll have resurrected bodies. We're not going to be disembodied spirits in heaven, in the new heavens and new earth. But what that enables me to do is to, to live without the crippling fear that can come from people who oppose us so that we cave into man fearing or the crippling fear that can come from the unknown or the real threats that exist. I mean, there there's a threat to getting out of bed every day. There's a threat to walking down the sidewalk. There's certainly a threat to getting behind a, a wheel of a car. And anything we do has a certain level of unknown that can be quantified as danger. But knowing God and knowing how he's made us and knowing what this world is and isn't can set us free to not retreat into trying to live a protected life and think that we can have experiences virtually that will satisfy the way God's made us to live, but will also give us the ability to go out and live recognizing, okay, I may not come back today. Mm -hmm. I I may die today, but I have Christ. and, And man, what Paul, said what I desire in my own life, to live is Christ, to die is gain. If Christians, if we can get that, then we're not going to quit living. We're not going to retreat. We're going to say, no, we'll live. We'll go and live the way God's called us to live. And if it results in our death, it'll be gain for us. And God will take care of those we leave behind. And we, we can be set free from the kind of, of crippling, intimidating uh, opposition that comes against this where people try to move us and try to convince us, "Oh no, you must do this." Really? Says who?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah this this idea is huge, and I wish we had more time to to um, spell it out. I think we need to circle back to this again. But if, if one good that can come through this, if people are listening to this conversation, is is seeing how, uh, regardless of what happens with our present uh, crises. Identify something about human nature and grow in your knowledge of this. And kind of you could read up on Gnosticism and see the danger of this heresy that, mm-hmm. that, um, that basically one of the things it does is claiming that the body is bad. And then look around at the world you're living in. And notice, you know, th- this um, virtual reality or even these games, you know, you, you have these people that are sometimes very often in their dad and mom's basement, at like, <laughs> you know, 20 something years old, playing these massive whole world games online. I mean, yeah. they're out there in massive amounts of time. So you have, you're like, you're dis, you're trying to like disembody yourself. You got this whole deal. Right. I mean, you're an amazing person on, on the internet, <laughs> but what are you actually in your very physical existence? The pornography is related to this. Right. I mean, what do you do? Right. It's, it's virtual. I mean, it, it's real in the sense that it's absolute sin, but, but think about what this is. This is a very, Modern problem yeah. in the sense that it's it's not physical and and real but virtual, uh, the the Apostle John in the New Testament who who warns that it's the person who denies that Jesus came in the flesh that is Antichrist. Like you deny that Jesus came in the flesh, and that has been a heresy that is that has attacked the Christian Church for a long time. Is saying, well, you know, Jesus, if he's God, then he must not have become real man, mm-hmm. and and when you when you get that idea and start letting that marinate, say, okay, Jesus Christ became a man, and that was a that was a dangerous thing to do. That he was going to face all kinds of trouble and all kinds of trials, because this body is a reminder of our own finitude. Right. Like if I'm here. I can't be somewhere else because I have a body. I'm not omnipresent like God is. And if I'm here, um, you know, this thing could, I could lose a part of it. I could lose an arm. We could be gone, you know, or I could get sick from the virus. But Jesus Christ is the one who became man and he led the way and he faced death and he faced it valiantly and he laid down his life on the cross for us for our salvation and then he told us to follow him and said okay so here i am knowing that i can follow the lord jesus christ that suffering and death await me in this body and yet resurrection awaits me in christ as well he's walked through that through death's door he's risen again we too will rise again spill it all the way out to the to the future glory of our bodies are going to uh, be raised up from the ground, reunited with our souls, to live forever with God, body and soul. That's another. I mean, there's so much here because I remember growing up in Baptist church. Probably I think your experience was the same. It was all about life in this world, and then there was heaven, mm-hmm. and heaven was this ethereal place. It was, it was spiritual, and it was, you know, it was like a long worship service. I remember asking if there was going to be baseball in heaven when I was in Sunday school and having, watching my Sunday school person have to deal with that question. But the, the Christian understanding of the future state is, yes, there is a intermediate state where our souls will be with the Lord Jesus Christ and our bodies will lie in the grave until the resurrection of that last day. But then the bodies are coming back. And forevermore, we're going to be living body and soul, looking at people, tasting food, worshiping together, going about our work, honoring the Lord Jesus Christ in this new heavens and new earth. And so, embrace all of that goodness about the physical world.
1: Yeah, and I want to be careful that we uh, qualify what we're saying and what we're not saying too. We're, we're not telling anybody that, look, man, if you know you got considerations in your own life, your own health, or whatever, uh, your orbit and sphere of influence that causes you to be more careful, more cautious, in going out or uh, attending worship service. There's probably Christians listening to this that have not yet met again with their brothers and sisters in church, and and they miss that, and they're grieving that. And uh, they shouldn't hear us saying, well, look, you're just in sin. It's think rightly about this, and yes, grieve what you cannot do yet, looking forward to the day when you will be able to do it, and guard against the great temptation, and even the voices that are telling us now, sadly, some within the Christian world, that it's okay to just do church online, that you can be a part of an online church and your online experience is just as fine as anything else. That's not true. Mm. So while you are limited by God's providence, just make that a part of your own prayer, your own understanding, ask him for the day, to hasten the day when whatever it is, if it's your own health or the health of others you're caring for, uh, this pandemic or anything else, just ask the Lord to hasten the day when you can return to that which is normal for the Christian life, that which you long for. And don't let yourself to stop longing. Don't let yourself become uh, just kind of uh, cauterized in your emotions and desire for what God has said is right and good. Think rightly about this regardless of your circumstances and don't settle into uh, especially having people tell you, It's okay. Just as good doing what you're doing at
0: home. I would underscore what you said. There are going to be people that have providential hindrances, and even regardless of what happens with this virus, there's cases like that where people Mm -hmm. are unable to gather with God's people. And what we do want to underscore is, if you consider the things that we've talked about in this podcast, what it will do is help you to appropriately lament that situation right. like the apostle Paul did. I was torn away from you in person and he's not satisfied with that. It's not, mm-hmm. I was torn away from you in person, but not in heart. So everything's fine. <laughs> That's right. It was no, I was torn away from you in person and I'm, I'm endeavoring to get back with you so far. I've been hindered by Satan, but um, we're pressing in on that and want to experience the full blessing and joy of what it means to live as an embodied soul in this world every person's got to make their decisions. You know That, that doesn't mean that, you know, um, well, hey, you're, you've been given a physical body, so you know, just go for it. Jump off that building without a parachute. It's like, no, no, no. In fact, jump off the building with a parachute if you want to do that kind of thing. I'm not going to do that kind of thing. Um, but thinking about the very physical world that God has made and then the bodies that he has given us and knowing, knowing that the we are going to face death one way or another, but we need to rejoice in that physical fellowship that we have right now and pursue it as we're able to. Amen.